With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley right from the logo. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're talking some tight ends, which should be fun. Um, Heard from Taylor Embry, the tight ends coach, as well as Brady Russell today, uh, and also Carl Durrell. And on the basketball side, uh, let's see, Jariah Horn and uh, Deshaun Schwartz, as well as the head coach, Tad Boyle. So we'll be talking through some of that kind of stuff. Um, so my thoughts on tight ends, you know how this stuff goes. Uh, but first green mountain dental group, green mountain dental is the place to go to get your teeth clean, teeth cleaned without, I don't know why that was so hard to say. Um, for a bunch of reasons, first of all, because they're really good at it, uh, because it's convenient. It's just, uh, 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. Um, and because if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's a great value, so make sure you take advantage of the deal at Green Mountain Dental Group. They're huge Colorado sports fans. It's a family-owned dentistry. Um, And Lindsay, our sales director, went out there a couple months ago and said that it was literally the best experience she's ever had with a dentist in her life. So listen to her. Take advantage of that deal. Get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush by scheduling a cleaning x-ray and exam, and uh, you'll be really happy you did. Okay. Um... Today, uh, tight ends. Um, I, I asked Taylor Embry, tight ends coach, basically like, what is the role of tight ends at this point? Because it seems like everywhere you look, they're doing something else. And so remember that last year, the last couple of years, he was working with George Kittle in San Francisco. And he said, and I thought this was really interesting, that George Kittle is putting a lot of pressure on other tight ends. 
which is something I hadn't really thought of before. But because Kittle can do all the things that he can do, I mean, you watch him line up um, at different spots. You watch him run routes. You watch him, like, do footwork-type routes, you know, getting in and out of breaks. You can watch him just run across the field and outrun the coverage. You can see him run up the seam and just beat the coverage that way. He can do anything that any other tight end can do, um, which means that now every other tight end can be like, wow, that's what a good tight end looks like. And it's kind of just been growing to this point for a while. Um, You don't get paid like a top 10 tight end unless you can do pretty much everything. Um, Gronk was this way too. He, He didn't quite have that speed factor, but he was so dynamic with the ball in his hands because he's so big and so strong and hard to bring down that it really didn't matter. Plus, he's just so big that he's dominant, boxing guys out, pushing guys around. And in the running game, he's just dominant. And, you know, you look back through the path, you know, Antonio Gates, um, a, a good receiving tight end. You know, with the Broncos, Julius Thomas, a good receiving tight end, a very good receiving tight end. But... He couldn't really block, but he still went out and got a massive contract because of the production he had in the passing game. I think those days are over. I think you just have to be well-rounded because it is so clear what a good tight end is right now. And the blocking is being emphasized the same way the receiving is, and those parts aren't separated anymore. It's rare you see a guy like uh, like Mercedes Lewis with the Packers, who's just a pure blocking tight end. I don't know if it is that rare. There is that second tier of guys. I think that every team, what you want is a, a one really good tight end. You know, the Broncos have Noah Fant. You need him to be a better blocker. He cannot, for his entire career, be somebody who you're like, well, he's so good when you get him the ball that you can accept that because you just cannot be a top type, top 10 tight end. And honestly, the Broncos should expect him to be a top five tight end with how high they drafted him. So I thought that that was an interesting point that Taylor made was that George Kittle is putting the pressure on other tight ends, which I, I don't know. I, I, I really like that. And I'm going to spend even more time thinking about it than I spent thinking about it already. Um, but I really do think that that's true. That because now the role model, like the icon tight end for the second straight time, I think that before Kittle, you looked at Rob Gronkowski. And like we said, he was a good blocker. Um, maybe even better blocker than he was pass catcher at any point in his career. And so I do think that Taylor, who spent a lot of time working with Kittle and has spent a lot of time around Kittle, knows what he's talking about when he says that he does put pressure on other tight ends to learn how to do all those different things. Like that is just the standard now um, because of guys like him. And because of that, that's what opens up the mismatches. And that's the other thing Taylor said. I mean, it's, it's not like rocket science really, but with a guy like George Kittle, for example, you put him on the field, you can throw a, a, a cover player at him, and you can run the ball to that side of the field because Kittle's going to be able to block him. Or you can put a good run defender in front of him who can get off that block, and he's not going to be able to cover him. And so you call the pass play, run him up the seam, run him across the field, you know, those sorts of things. Um, I was kind of hoping to hear a little bit more about, like, the – x-factor type stuff like just the weird things that you can do with tight ends you know you watch like the chiefs offense or the 49ers offense where Embry comes from and and you see all the different things that they do you know in denver 
people still make that like, oh, you should call another tight end screen joke. And it's like, yeah, they actually probably should because that's how you win football games in the NFL in 2020. You call tight end screens and you run your tight end across the backside of the formation and give him a little shovel pass and let him run up the middle. Like you find creative ways to get your tight end the ball. And that's something that I think the buffs are going to do. Uh, Like I said, we talked to Brady Russell today and what he said is that there are more unique ways that the tight ends are being used. And he used that word unique twice, which is a big circle that word in my mind when I hear that because of all the unique ways that we see tight ends used across the NFL and in college football as well. Um, I think that, you know, he did kind of go on and explain it a little bit. And the way he explained it kind of pulled me away from the thoughts that I was having like when my face lit up when I heard unique ways to use tight ends. Um, He said that they're pulling a lot more. They're blocking in some different ways. And I I do like that. I think that that is just as important as the receiving uniqueness or even like almost in the running game in the way that they can be used. But I think that having Brady Russell come across the formation and be a lead blocker in a hole after pulling is... Uh, going to be successful in the same way that having Visca run down the middle of the field from the Wildcat is going to be successful. You're always going to be able to pick up a few yards. I think running behind Brady Russell might be about the same thing at this point. Um, Again, we have to see it on the field. um, And and we saw a little bit of that last year, but with this more unique stuff and, and also should say Taylor said that uh, one of the things that stands out about Brady is his ability to do so many different things to play fullback, to, to play tight end, to fill all of the different roles that you could potentially want a tight end to fill, can move him around the formation in that way. Uh, I do worry if moving the tight end around will be difficult this year because of the quarterback situation. You know, to me, I think that a lot of that creative use of the tight end, imagine, imagine they're lined up, uh, in a pro formation, quarterbacks under center, uh, three receivers. You got Brady Russell on the right side of formation. You got tailback lined up behind the quarterback. In those situations, maybe you're like, oh, they seem a little bit light in the in the center of their defense. Let's pull Brady Russell into the backfield and have him lead block and just blow a hole open. Is that something that a Buffs quarterback can process and put together and and play that mental chess game on the field? to execute or is that something that would have to be called in from the sideline where it's part of the play is Brady Russell motions into the backfield and if that's the case you're kind of guessing on what you're going to see and and that's what's so nice about the NFL level when you have quarterbacks who understand what's going on around them you don't have many who are who you're just like you're a great athlete you could throw a football we're going to put the ball in your hands and see what happens. We'll call some air raid plays, make some simple reads for you. Uh, you know, that doesn't exist in the NFL. Uh, and, or maybe it does for like three teams, but I promise that those three teams are probably like the Jets, the Giants, and whoever else is down there with them. So I think that as exciting as it is to think about what you could do with somebody like Brady Russell, who... Uh, is one of your better offensive players. Um, one of your 
top five offensive players, it's so hard because they all fill such different roles. You know, where does Katie Nixon fit in there? Where does Alex Fontenot fit in there? Where does Will Sherman fit in there? And then with the tight end, especially a tight end who has never been much of a vertical threat before, that that has never been a, a part of his game, how high up the rankings can he go? Um, and that's kind of the question with Brady Russell. First of all, what happens when you tell him to run a seam route? Like, is that just like not a viable option? Because for some reason, we haven't seen too much of that ever before. And and if that's not an option, how much does that take away? Not having that speed threat from that spot, what does that mean? Going back to these pro football focus numbers, he was only targeted 20 plus yards downfield twice all season last year. Uh, he caught one of those, picked up 27 yards, and even from 10 to 20 yards, he was only targeted three more times. Meanwhile, like inside of 10 yards, this is 15 plus 9 is, uh, oh, so it's 25 actually. Um, 25 times he was targeted 10 yards or less downfield, and there were only four incompletions. Meanwhile, you have two completions out of five tries deeper than 10 yards. So I don't know what he's capable of doing because we really didn't see him get many opportunities downfield. I take that as him not being all that effective moving downfield, but who knows? Because he went on when he was talking about the unique ways that he the tight ends are being used now. Um, he said that there's actually more passing concepts as well and that is what's exciting is seeing the tight ends used in more passing concepts i mean more more thought going into okay we can we can use the tight end as part of like a key piece of a play um, we don't need to just rely on the receivers and that is one of the reasons that you don't see brady russell downfield so much is because well you might as well have Dimitri Stanley or Katie Nixon or Visca, but this just makes your offense more multiple, more difficult to defend. Um, I do think we'll see more creativity with the tight ends this year. I think that it's pretty obvious we will. Um, and I am very, very excited about that, especially because of the way that it just fits with this team. You know, a team that will have an inexperienced quarterback, no matter what, happens with the quarterback spot there is one guarantee and that guarantee is that the quarterback will be inexperienced it could be a good quarterback it could be a bad quarterback it could be a fast quarterback or a slow quarterback or big armored accurate or whatever the one thing that we know for sure is that he will not have played much football and so you expect for that to mean you will be relying on that running game and so having tight ends that are effective blocking but can also be used on play action can be used in more standard, I mean, even spread-type passing routes. I think that that would be huge. And then if you can add in some of the wrinkles that you see work at the NFL level, you know, all the stuff, just just sit down and watch the Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, seriously, just watch what they do. Same thing with the 49ers, but less so um, this year just because that offense has been so gross, it doesn't come out as well as it typically does. But if you watch the Chiefs and the way they put Travis Kelsey in motion, 
before the snap, the different spots they have him line up, what he does from different spots, and then just the actual creative plays that they use. Whether it is saying, okay, you're lining up at tight end, but this is a passing play and you're running behind the offensive line, I'm going to get you the little shovel pass and let you just plow forward. You know, there, there are so many different things that they do, and I really think that you're going to see that happen more at CU. I'm excited by it. Um, any other notes? Um, more on the tight ends. Uh, we, we heard from Brady Russell um, that Matt Lynch from UCLA, uh, who was listed as the number two on the depth chart, he said that uh, he has good hands, he's learning to be aggressive in the run game, and basically said like he is a good tight end. Uh, he's somebody who Taylor Embry singled out as well, and you know, there's still, what, we're 25% of the way through fall camp, which is crazy to think about, but 2020, this is the world we live in. Uh, we could see another tight end move past Matt, but as I see it now, I, I think that this is Brady Russell 1, it's Matt Lynch 2. I'm not sure how many three tight end sets you're going to get, um, but uh, yeah, Stillwell has gotten... Uh, some positive words from Embry. Uh, um, Nick Fisher uh, got some praise. The the graduate transfer walk-on uh, from Brady Russell. So that probably wraps up the tight end talk. Um, we'll see what it looks like. Um, some notes from Carl. Um, what I thought was most interesting was what he had to say about the cornerbacks um, because it was a question from Justin Guerrero of CU Sports Nation. Um, because we heard from Carl that he was kind of challenging these cornerbacks to be more aggressive, more physical, um, it was kind of a follow-up a few days later from Justin saying, like, so how's, <laughs> how's that going? Did it work? And the answer is yes. Carl said that he's been really impressed by that position, that he's really enjoying the depth of that position, um, that uh, Makai Blackman looks like a veteran, that Makai is living up to kind of like last year's preseason hype that we had before he got hurt. Um, so that is very good to hear. And honestly, not all that surprising. You'll remember that Makai Blackman was actually listed behind Tariq Luckett, I believe, at the right cornerback spot in the post-spring depth chart. That was flipped. And so now we have Makai as the starter. Um, but that was one of the oddities of that first depth chart was, okay, Makai back here. That kind of surprises me. Um, now he's back. It makes sense. But we've heard good things about Tariq now, too. Um He's been playing more aggressively, uh, according to Carl. He, Carl said that all of the cornerbacks have been more active, and that's a word I really like, especially because you're playing this zone defense. You have to know so many different things. Like Obviously, like what you're doing in that moment, like who are you covering right now, but also know when is it going to be time to break off and head over to somebody else and where's that guy going and what's going on with these route concepts you know where that guy's going where's my guy going because of what we've seen on film of how they run different route concepts there is so much going on mentally that I think that that could kind of freeze cornerbacks physically in these more complex defenses uh, Tyson Suppers hates when we call this complex um the more 
nuanced. I don't know. There's just a lot going on. That's just the truth is there's a, a lot going on and you can learn what you have to do, but there is a, a lot to learn in this defense. Um, once you have that figured out and it kind of, at least like your first set of reads, you, you hardly even have to make. You're not sitting there calculating, okay, this guy's breaking inside, so he is not my responsibility, so I get to drop back and look for this next player. Oh, he is coming outside. Once you can get past the point where that first read is something that you have to physically be actively thinking about and it becomes kind of second nature and you're able to see that without spending all of your focus on it so you can take a peek at the quarterback, you can see what the other receivers are doing and have more awareness of what's going on around you, I think that might be why they seem more active is because they have that level of comfort. Um, this is coming from me, a person who's never played a down of cornerback in his life. Keep that in mind. But I do read a lot about football. Um, also, uh, he said that KJ Trujillo and Mark Perry have seasoned up. That's what you want to hear because those are young guys. Um, I guess what you really like to hear is they've just been straight up dominant and nobody's able to get by them, but they've seasoned up is what you want because they are on, you know, we've kind of talked through this before. Mark Perry's on an NFL path. If he, in Carl Durrell's terms, seasons up and next year he, he starts seasoning up so he looks like a junior instead of like a sophomore. He does it one more time. I think that he does go to the NFL. KJ, just because of the body type, like you don't see many 165 pound NFL players. What happens once he gets up to 175, 180? I don't know. So there are those question marks, but he is certainly on that path as well. Um, maybe not in terms of heading to the NFL, but in terms of impact on in, on a college football team, I think he's right there with Mark Perry on that same path. So that's what you want to hear, is that they don't look like freshmen anymore. They look like the sophomore version of themselves. Um, so that's good stuff. Um, the first scrimmage of camp is Saturday, and I really wish that we could see it. Um, you typically can't. I guess usually they do have one open scrimmage, or is, is it just an open practice? It might just be an open practice. Yeah, I think most years there's like an open practice that the fans can go to and the media can watch, and that's always great. Um, maybe sometimes it's a scrimmage. I'm not sure. But all the scrimmages, just like everything else, is closed because of COVID and because of just like their standard policies. Uh, that means we won't get too many details out of Saturday's scrimmage. Um, we won't get any numbers out of it except for like the number of plays they run um, we heard today from Carl that he expects 90 to 100 plays it's going to be a full-blown he called it the full Monty and really liked calling it the full Monty um, but you're doing everything you're going through all the situations you're playing this many plays you're doing full-on specialty teams so yeah um, that's coming we'll probably get more of a preview tomorrow the day before that scrimmage and uh, that will be a turning point. Um, it'll kind of be up to Carl and everybody else on how much they're willing to tell us um, who stu stood out. Um, was there a quarterback who performed better than another? Um, what was happening with the running backs? You know, it's totally their call on how much information they can give us. It's, it's always that same equation, though, where it's like how much of what we say will help our opponents prepare when they have to play us, but also like 
the fans really want to know, and sometimes it's good to be good to your fans. So th there will be a balance. I'll be excited to see what Carl Durrell has to say following that practice. It'd be nice to know, like, which running back had the longest run today? And I think there's a good chance he'll just say, oh, well, we, we're not sharing that. And it's like, okay, okay. Um, I think that's going to be all the football stuff today. At least that's all my football thoughts. Unless there's anything in the questions, I should check on those. Um, but we do have some basketball talk on the way. Uh, it was fun getting on that call again this morning. Um, I'll tell you everything we learned from Tad Boyle, Dryahorn, Horn, and Deshaun Schwartz after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is the Colorado beer. It's also the official beer of DNBR. Um, if you haven't tried it yet, I, I don't know how I could get through to you if I haven't been able to get through to you yet. Um, it is so good. The Palisade Peach, the Strawberry Sky, the Colorado Core. I really like my fruity beers. Those are my go-tos. Uh, but there's also like real adult beer. Um, not that those aren't. I think that once you try a Strawberry Sky and you're like, oh, this mostly is beer with just like a tiny little aftertaste of strawberry you'll also fall in love but if you're into the more hardcore stuff there's like the vanilla porter uh, vanilla porter jr as we like to call it um, the hot peak ipa the broncos country hoppy pale ale so many good beers if you want to try any of them you can check out the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website, and they'll tell you exactly where to go to pick out whatever beer it is that you do want to try. Uh, you can also come down to the DMVR bar. Uh, you can go down to the farmhouse. You can try pretty much all of the beers there, I'd assume. Um, and they also have incredible food. Uh, so get down to the farmhouse in Littleton. It's where all of their brewery facilities are located. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, basketball practice today. What did we learn? Uh, Dry Horn, it was nice getting to meet him, the grad transfer from Tulsa, who's now playing for Colorado. Uh, he had, he was pretty clear about why he picked Colorado, and I thought it was really interesting why. Obviously, the big reason is that that's a tournament contender. Colorado has no ceiling as far as I'm concerned. There's no reason they can't make a run this year. Uh, he liked that aspect, but he also liked that they hadn't been to a tournament before. He said that there is like this hunger that you have when you've spent your entire life trying to play in March Madness, and now you get one more shot. You get one more try to make that happen, and if not, then that's just not something you get to experience. Um, Deshaun didn't really get into that in detail, but... He did say, like, in the beginning of his call, um, and it's, it's, it is kind of strange, like, talking to these guys after not talking to them for six months, seven months probably for Deshaun, um, because people, like, change, especially, like, people not just his age, but, like, our age. I'm only 23. But, like, just he does seem... Not that he wasn't pulled together before, but he just, just seems older, I guess. Maybe just a little more mature. Um, but hearing him talk, he said, like, it's it's crazy being here right now because it, it goes by so fast. And it's like it, all of a sudden I'm saying things as a senior that are the same things that seniors were saying when I was here as a freshman. It just seems so far away. Um, 
he gets it. He really gets it. And this is a group of seniors um, that I guess Evan Batty is in that same class, but obviously isn't a senior yet because of the medical things that happened. Uh, still just a junior. This team is so ready to go out there and win a lot of basketball games. The whole like streakiness, sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. They can't have that anymore. They really can't. Not with this many veterans who have the goals that they have and understand how to achieve those goals. It's kind of just time to say, like, no more losing to Northern Iowa. Like, sure, they're really good for a mid-major, whatever. You, you, you're you done losing to that team now. And I think that they understand that and that they are done losing to that team. Like, you can't be counteracting big wins against Oregon with losses to some of the teams that they lost to. Um Again, you got to see it play out on the court. But if that happens, I'm going to be disappointed. Because to me, this is a team that, you know, it's I, I hate that all the easy way that my brain works is like, well, you play like however many games you play. Now you have this weird number. But this is a team that really shouldn't be losing many games. They should be consistently winning the games that they play. Um, talking to Jariah... Um, I asked him about like the chemistry, even though it's kind of early with Evan Batty and Dallas Walton, the other big men. And he said that he kind of knew that they weren't going to get much court time. And so they've been trying to spend time together off the court. And he has specifically been like trying to build those relationships with the big men, which is exactly what you want to hear. But also it's not that surprising to hear because Jariah Horn's a guy who gets it. He's a senior who chose Colorado for the reasons he chose it. He's he's very happy, by the way, with his experience at Colorado. And I should say that um, I cut out a bunch of the things. They're like, eh, it's like Carl Durrell had a lot to say about like why he does have such a calm personality. And it's because like from his parents and he's learned how to just like get past. That. And it's like, yeah, that is good stuff, but it's not necessarily the things that we talk about here. Um, I will get into this with Jariah Horn though, um, talking about the family atmosphere that Colorado basketball has and the way that people interact and that sort of thing. He said that that is, he's really enjoying it and, and that he had hoped that this would kind of be the case, but it, I don't know, different teams have different cultures. It is very different in a lot of different ways and it is good to hear an outsider come in and give those positive reviews, um, but also should just raise those expectations a little bit more. Again, Dryhorn is a guy who gets it, and he's building those relationships. He said that on the court, he thinks that that'll just translate. If you if you get along like that off the court, then things will go smoothly when you're on the court. Um, he said, like for example, his favorite pass is the high-low pass. Him being up in the high post, getting to feed it down. If he can seal his man off, if Evan or Dallas can seal his man off, then you get to feed that straight down there. And just having that basketball IQ in the front court along with the other pieces you have, I, again, think that this could be a, a very good basketball team. Um, at the very least, it should be a very consistent basketball team just because it is so veteran. Even though you do have those young guys, I, I don't know. It, it will be fun to see how everybody mixes together. What happens when the bench unit comes on, you know? <laughs> do they just start throwing things up? And, and for two weeks, 
your sixth man's this guy, and for the next week, it's this guy, and you're just having this crazy rotation of who's hot and who's not coming off the bench. That's the one thing that does kind of concern me. But because the starters are so steady, you should have a nice framework for whoever is joining them on the court to to work off of. Um, other notes... Um, both uh, Tad Boyle and Jiraiya, uh said that it would be pretty useful for him to be able to stretch the floor the way that he does from his position um, because he is a very solid uh, perimeter shooter. Um, he, oh, uh, Deshaun Schwartz said that this year's freshman class reminds uh, him of his freshman class, the big freshman class that was uh, McKinley Wright and Evan Batty and that whole crew. Um, high expectations out of that group. They're talented. Uh, they're competing well in practice. Um, Deshaun says that he's trying to grow just as a decision maker, um, you know, working through the reads, making sure he's making the right reads. Don't predetermine what he's going to do. You know, that kind of stuff. And he feels a lot more comfortable um, in all of that. Um, he just said that the game feels like it's slowing down and he's going to be able to make better decisions because of it. I think that that's pretty much it out of those guys. Um, yeah. And, oh, I never looked at comments. Before I uh, look for comments and questions, I want to tell you all about... MSU Denver Online. Uh, MSU Denver Online is the place to go for your online education. If you're not having the experience that you want to have because of the COVID-19 pandemic, then maybe switching to online school, even just for a short time, could be the right decision going forward for you. Um, MSU Denver Online is, is it puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree, and living your life. Um, it's the Colorado Institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Uh, Harrison Wind and Allie Monroy from DMVR have taken classes there, and that's exactly what they said, is that the professors are very engaged and responsive, and they really care about you. So go to msudenveronline.com, look up the 40 different online or hybrid programs that'll get you to do a degree, the over 700 courses that can get you to a degree. Uh, also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, week five of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week six. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week six, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. On top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up, and you'll get up to $1,000. 
That's code DMVR to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. One que- or comment today comes in from Silverbuff who says, it's a shame that Ken most likely won't have fans in his last year. It'll be interesting to see how the lack of fans impacts the famous Coors home court advantage. It's going to be an empty keg. Yeah, I hadn't spent much time on thinking about that specifically. It is going to be weird. Um, you know, we're seeing in the NFL record-setting scoring. We've never seen scoring like this before. And obviously, like, there's been the upward trend for, like, a couple of decades now, but not like this. Like, you look at, I think, this week's lines in terms of over-under. So if you guys aren't betters, the way the over-under works is if the line is set at 52.5 and and you take the over on the over-under, then uh, if there are 53 or more points scored in the game by the two teams combined then you hit. If it's under that, then it's under. Those lines that Vegas said is like, okay, 50% chance it's above, 50% chance it's below, essentially, this week, I believe are higher than they've ever been. Like in the history of the NFL, I think it's like the average is 50 and a half or something right now. Um, And that could fall before the games this weekend. But as of right now, I still think that it is the highest and there's like a room for a full point to drop. Otherwise, this will be, at least in Vegas's mind, expected to be the highest scoring week of NFL football ever. Um, say, oh, I say that because I think the reason is there are no fans. You look around um, and watch what's happening late in games. Typically, the home team would have such an advantage. The offenses wouldn't be able to uh, communicate on the other side, on the away side. And that has not been the case. Like, we've seen Aaron Rodgers go on the road and do hard counts and pull guys offside, getting himself five free yards that you just would not be able to get if you were on the road in any other year when there are fans. So uh, it's it's not, like, necessarily a two-sided effect. It's not boosting up the home team's offense, I don't think. But it is certainly boosting up away team scoring because they don't have to deal with the communication troubles that typically come with playing on the road. Um, So we're seeing it there. Obviously, the NBA played in a bubble, and that's like a whole different thing. Um, I'm not sure if scoring was up or down, but I do think that not having fans will have an impact, and I do think that CU had more of a home field advantage than a lot of other schools did. They'd they'd be more likely to be hurt by this than others. At the same time, though, part of that home court advantage is the altitude, and that isn't going away. Um, Assuming this, I guess anything you say right now is an assumption, but I do not expect that to go away. I don't expect them to, like, be moving to a bubble or anything. Um, Worth paying attention to. Um, It could be that now that everything else levels out, Colorado's one of the few teams with a home court advantage just because of the elevation and the fact that they no longer have to deal with the troubles that they could have uh, on the uh, road. Maybe this could work out to be an advantage. Uh, I don't know, but things will be different this year for sure, and it definitely does suck 
for uh, McKinley, for Deshaun, for Jariah even, even though he's never had the experience of playing uh, at home at the keg. It sucks that he won't get that because as somebody who's bumped around, you know, he was at Tulsa, I think, the last two years. He was in Nebraska before that. I feel like he he deserves a home, and he's going to get that. And, and of course, he's been very positive about everything that's happening at Colorado. But if he never gets to play in front of, like, a packed keg, that's too bad. That'd be too bad. Um, if you guys have any questions, any comments, you can leave them on the post for today's show at thedmvr.com. We'll get to all of those tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk then. Uh, previewing the scrimmage that the football team will be holding on Saturday. I'm excited. Um, if you guys have like, I don't know, who do who do you want to hear like he went off? You know, when we talk to uh, Carl Durrell and whoever else, there'll probably be a couple players. When we say who impressed you today, what names do you want to hear? I think like Shad Clayton's got to be up there. Uh, Daniel Arias would be exciting. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to just keep going with young guys like Jason Harris and Brendan Lewis. But also, like, what if Jalen Sami's just a monster? Or if Terrence Lang's a monster? Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I hope you guys are excited, too. And leave your uh, questions and your comments in the uh, post for day show at thedmvr.com, and we'll get to those tomorrow. Uh, I'll see you then. I think they like my Colorado